Welcome to Oldest to Youngest. I'm Natalie, the oldest. And I'm Thomas, the youngest. We are curious Catholics who like to converse and explore topics from a Catholic point of view. We come up with questions, conduct some research, then discuss the information. We hope you enjoy our banter and learn something along with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Welcome to our third episode. Um, yeah. The triune episode. <laughs> we have a little celebration. We made it to number three. With a brand new microphone. Look at this Yes. Thing. Hopefully oh. you can hear us clearer and we're louder. And yeah. um, hopefully our little oddities don't come through too much. Yeah. I mean, drinking slurping on tea, you know. Yeah. Uh, yogi quote. You want a yogi quote? A yogi quote, yes. Yogi tea quote. quote. Create the sequence of goodness consequences will be always good huh okay i'm not sure it ties in today's subject (laughs) at all but not at all so what are we talking about today would you like to announce it or do you want me um why don't you share because it was your Mm. your baby (laughs) it was my baby um we are talking today about the church and science and how the two go together is the church opposed to science does it hate science does it love science these are all questions it, we're going to answer today. It. Right. <laughs> all <laughs> of those questions <laughs> in 30 um, minutes. Um, so it, we thought we'd start a new fun thing, um, or at least maybe it'll be fun. We can get feedback from yeah. our listeners and see if they uh, think it's fun. If not, then we can stop it. Sounds it. fun to me. Yeah. Okay. So I like it. It'll be fun for me. We decided that we would do a trivia question at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. And um, depending upon who asked it, the other person probably wouldn't know. Yeah. And then we can answer it at the end of the podcast. Yeah. So you have a trivia question for me and yes. for the audience. Yes. And I will try to think this through without <laughs> I might cheating. give I, a I spoiler. Might idea, but... I might have to give a spoiler because I have a quote, unfortunately, or fortunately by. Oh, no. Can you save the quote until the end? Yes. Or... Yeah, okay. yeah, I'll save the quote until the end. Okay. Uh, that can be our clue that would be good like clues along the way okay so um my trivia question for all of you and for you thomas Mm -hmm. is who is the patron saint of scientists scientists okay i will have to go in my put in my brain hat you know (laughs) i don't have a brain hat but (laughs) brain monitor uh the audience doesn't know that i'm putting my hat my thinking cap for now so Cool. All right. So we're listening to some of the questions that we came up with today. Um, Well, obviously, we have to start based on our structure, uh, podcast structure. Um, We always start with the definition of um, science and talking about what the catechism, how the catechism defines it and what the catechism Mm -hmm. has to say in it. Um, And then we talk about some of the other questions um that we were curious about and we kind of um explore those yeah um for those of you who are new and this is your first episode we always try to go by that structure yeah we keep it pretty casual though right yeah we're having discussions about it sometimes arguments heated arguments no no have we had one of those yet no no i don't think so I think we've kind of disagreed a little bit, maybe, yeah. but it wasn't like a huge yeah. deal. 
We're yeah. just like, ah. <laughs> um, yeah, we're not, not talking to each other anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we're still having the podcast. Besides the podcast, though, we never talk to each other. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is our relationship. No. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke, guys. It's a joke. Okay. So, um, so let yeah, us talk definition? about the definition of science in the catechism. Nice. Um, so I have the catechism in front of me. Oh, yeah. yeah um, and so this it starts on 2292 um, in part three of the catechism. So the section is entitled Respect for the Person and Scientific Research. So scientific, medical, or psychological experiments on human individuals or groups can contribute to healing the sick and the advancement of public health. That's just the basic overview. No, Um, but then there's another section I wanted to sort of highlight, which was um, interesting. So underneath it is 2293. So it talks about basic scientific research as well as applied research is a significant expression of man's dominion over creation. Science and technology are precious resources when placed at the service of man and promote his integral development for the benefit of all. By themselves, however, they cannot disclose the meaning of existence and of human progress. Science and technology are ordered to man from whom they take their origin and development. Hence, they find in the person and in his moral values, both evidence of their purpose and awareness of their limits. Cool. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty neat definition and a very cool uh, structure yeah, for our, our conversation. Yeah. Um, because I think really, you know, what it seems to be saying to me anyway is that science, you know, any kind of research in science particularly is a way of expressing our ability to dominate or to um, influence the world around us however it's it's, it cannot explain our meaning and our existence so i think you know for for people or the danger i guess for us would be to say science can explain everything who we are without god Um, I think science too can be, is just the way we interact with. I might be simplifying the definition mm. for my own simplification. Um, is way we understand and interact with the physical world mm-hmm. and the universe. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I like yeah. that simplification. I think that's exactly what it's saying. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and less words. Yes. So. So which question would you like to start with first? Yeah, so I came up with a couple. Um, one is, does the does scripture contradict science? Or does the church contradict science? Is it against science? Mm-hmm. Kind of like a question like that. Um, and then what are the, some of the church's contributions to science? You know, what has the church specifically done mm-hmm. to... Uh, Further, further scientific thank you. Yes. research. Further scientific and, research and all that stuff. Um, yeah. So uh, I'll get to that later, I think. But 
uh, does the church contradict science? What do you think? Um, well, if you had asked me, you know, two weeks ago what I knew about the church and science, it wouldn't be very much. Hmm. I mean, I think um, mainly most of what I've learned is, is from our grandfather, yeah. um, who is a very big um, science into science and studied it for much of his life um, and really tried to work really hard to foster um, a love of it mm, in us grandchildren yeah. um, whether it have been the stars astronomy yeah, um, he, medical research yeah. you know looked at the stars and telescopes yeah right and um, you know yeah just I mean I think I've, I've learned most of it from him and he is a very devout catholic mm. and i so you know if you said to me natalie in your mind can science and the church be together mm. i would say absolutely, absolutely i wouldn't yeah. think no yeah ever yeah um and i think it's actually even more confusing to me when people don't think they can go yeah. together it's befuddling to i me, think the right? same because thing. god yeah. made the world and we're in it and he made a faith Right. So why? (laughs) Why would it ever contradict each other? Right. And it's our way. And why would you take? It's like making a cake, looking at a cake, and saying, "How can I make this cake without the sugar?" Hmm. Yeah. Like, why would you take the sugar out of the cake if it's yeah? That makes it. It's like so. You're kind of saying is they they two go naturally together. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree. And God made science. Yeah. I I feel, you know, again, yeah. this is my opinion. I'm not a theologian. We're opinions, yeah, our opinions. Our opinions. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> Disclaimer. We're not teaching doctrine or anything, so. No. Um, yeah, I think that was a pretty cool answer. Um, but I would say, let's, how about let's go through a little bit of history. Okay, you're going to tell us about Yeah, so I have a book. I've got a book in front of me. Great it's a book. beautiful book. It even has a ribbon. I it does love have books a ribbon. with ribbons. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize it was a textbook. Haha. Uh-huh. So when I got in the mail, and it said second edition, and it was very large, and it had questions and problems at the end, <laughs> I was a little bit scared. Back to school. Yeah, I was like, oh no. But I did do a little bit of skimming, a little bit of research in this book. This is by, this is called Faith, Science, and Reason, Theology on the Cutting Edge. By Christopher T. Baglow. Um, you found it on Amazon, right? Yes, yeah. Was, and we can put the link to it in our... Definitely, yeah. Definitely highly notes. recommended. Um, it, it goes into a lot about the uh, different history of science in the church. Um, also talks about Galileo. has a little... took a lot of notes here. Highlighted a lot of stuff uh, that well, I'm sure we'll bring about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it has like people, famous scientists, uh, does a scripture, contradicts science, all that stuff. Highly recommend it. Awesome book so far. Um, also, another good source that I've yes. discovered was um, catholicscientist.org. Yes. Very, very cool site. Yeah. And I put links to some of the articles I'll, I'll mention as well, and then the actual link to the organization, the Society for Catholic Scientists. Awesome. So, using some of the research I got from this book, um, one of the kind of things I got a takeaway is that 
science or the church does not forsake reason and science over faith right so like it's not going to say oh faith is the only thing that matters and then science if it we find that science will contradict our reason or faith um then we'll forsake it right we uh, will denounce it right that's not what the church does no at least not what it's supposed to do right yeah. and we will find in the galileo part that there is some issues there um but one of the first kind of like scientists and he established kind of like the church's uh, base in science i guess is saint augustine of hippo mm. um he relied on established astronomical observations uh, and in his commentary on Genesis, uh, he admitted, or at least claimed, that said um, it was more symbolic and it wasn't actual scientific fact, right? Like, the, it wasn't actually seven days that God created uh, the universe. Right. Uh, it was like, that wouldn't make sense because that puts limits on God, um, which is another thing. Because if you say, <laughs> if you say it took God seven days right. to create the universe... You're saying, like, oh, so he's on the world because there's different times of the day. You know, like, if you're on this part of the world, it's not going to be the same amount of time. No, and it was actually interesting, just a funny aside. Um, I was listening to a, a course on um, church history. Mm. And he was talking about the writing of the Bible and how each version of the Bible, you know, depending upon the translation, things yeah. are different. And um, basically the arguments throughout church history of bishops and popes and cardinals that have been saying, okay, so we do we take this as fact mm. or is it the author's interpretation? So, right. you know, and, and, and so the main takeaway is God created the world. Yes. Right. He created yep. everything. So whether or not that was three of our days, yeah. or six of our days, or seven of our days, yeah. it doesn't really matter for us. Or it was like instantaneous. Us human you know? faithful. Yeah. He created the world. And he I think that's what everything. we say um, for like, and uh, it talks about how Pope Urban may have mm. been uh, a little bit wrong and how he treated Galileo. Yeah. Well, we never say. The Pope is completely infallible. We say the Pope is infallible in matters teaching of and doctrine. matters yeah. of doctrine and, and dogma, morality, yeah. Yeah. and faith. But when it comes to like science or you know personal, he's just a human you know, being, just a human being like the rest of us. Um, so that was one thing. Um, this was in, in fourteen or four, sorry four fourteen A.D. Oh. So that was like a lot of time, a long time ago. <laughs> Um, also, uh, Pope Venerable, the Pi Pope Venerable Pius the 12th in 1951, he celebrated the Big Bang Theory as a great way to see and help us see how the command of God created the universe, oh. uh, which is one of the Big Bang Theory, um, is one of the leading, um, ways of, uh, uh ways of. Yeah. Creation, right? Cre creation uh, theories, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think evolutionists would say that they created the theory. They, sorry, we don't want to reuse the word creation, right? <laughs> uh, so I think evolutionists would say that they came up with the theory. Right. 
and Pope Venerable Pius XII was right. like, hey, this is actually hey, a good way. this is not contradictory to our faith. Yeah, exactly. And he said that. And he said, he, and we talked about this at the beginning, he said he clarified that proofs for the existence of God were outside the sphere of natural sciences. Hmm. So there will never be an equation, right. you know, a logical proof that God exists, right? Or maybe a logical proof. I don't know. Um, but we can't, like, prove through experimentation that God exists. No, there's, it's beyond the realm of our understanding. Exactly. Um, I would say ontologically, you might be able to find proof for God. Hmm. Um, that's more along the lines of like philosophical stuff, right? Which uh, is not science and natural not, science, it's yeah. Not fact, exactly. Right. Uh, so well, that's it's fact, but it's not. It's not tangible fact. Right. You can't yes. See it. It's not it. a taste it. Touch evidential it. meaning experiment, right. scientific method, stuff like that. Uh, so that was a couple of things. Another one. Um, For example, uh, in 1330, Jean Buridan, a priest and professor, proposed the principle of impetus. Impetus? I don't know. Uh, That God set in motion the heavenly bodies, but they remain in motion without further divine or angelic action. Mm. Does that sound like something we've heard before in our physics classes? Yes. Einstein, right? Yes, no. or uh, Sir Isaac Newton. God, not the first Einstein. first law. Of... Close. It was really close. Uh, You're forcing me to brush up on my history, yeah. science and history. You didn't have to answer it. You could have just been like, "Oh, what? <laughs> what is it, Thomas?" <laughs> Next time you ask a question, I'm read you. Right. Yes, yeah. uh, Sir me. Isaac Newton. First law of motion, which we still learn in physics today: a body in motion tends to remain in motion. So that's. Right. Why, if, if it's not, if it works for a ball, why shouldn't it work for a ball spherical in the sky? Yeah, in the universe. Right? Mm-hmm. And God's laws carried out mm-hmm. keeps the, everything going. So that was kind of like a, a really brief history, <laughs> extremely brief history. I have some other notes. We don't have to go into them. Um, but... Uh, like Bishop Tempier rejected Aristotelian idea that mm. the universe could not be different from what we experience. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, at the time, Aristotle said vacuums could never exist. Well, we know <laughs> now vacuums can exist, right? Vacuums and, of space or the actual yeah. technological? Oh, no, <laughs> probably both. <laughs> <laughs> Sucking things. <laughs> um, no, vacuums of space. Like, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, that makes sense. And, and I was like, why are we talking about vacuums? Even even before we knew that vacuum existed, 1277, uh, Bishop Tempier said that that puts limits on God's omnipotence, right? Mm. Like you say, oh, that cannot exist when... God can do anything, right? Right. <laughs> so, of course it can exist. Yeah. So, I think that's really cool stuff. So, uh, what was one of the co- your questions? Um, I think the one I, I explored the most was a, a bit off of yours. Like, um, what are some of the church... I, well, actually, what are some of the church's contributions mm, to okay. science? Yeah. And I think my, my research, because I'm always more interested in the people... Than mm-hmm. I am, like scientific discoveries. Right. That makes um, sense. So I focus on some of the people and the the um, 
conflicts that kind of had came around um, science, the, the question of science versus faith. Um, but I did want to share, uh, so I, I did find a really neat article and I, I did post it below in the notes if mm. you want to look at it, but some of the 10, um, 10 saints that have also contributed to science who are scientists okay. also. Cool. Um, so St. Augustine Louis Couché. Okay, I've never heard of him. Or Cache, Cache. Um, so he was, um, he lived between the years of 1789 and 1857. Cool. Um, so he was a prominent mathematician. Ooh. Thomas, you would like him a lot, I think. I like him already. <laughs> he wrote over 800 research papers. Oof, I gotta step up my game. Yeah. And one. he uh, <laughs> single-handedly founded the theory of functions of a complex variable. Oh, I know about that. What is that, Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you could tell us what it is. Uh, functions of the complex variable. At least I think I might know it. I I'll, I won't explain. You know, because it'll probably make our head hurt. Yeah, yeah but no, also I might that. not know. So I don't want to sound a stupid idiot. <laughs> So the other saint that I thought was super cool was, um, who I'd never heard of before, Blessed Nicholas Steno, and okay. he was in the 1600s. He was actually a convert to uh, Catholicism, and he became a bishop. And cool. he, he is uh, considered the father of geology. Geology. So he was a geologist. That's and cool. And he loved to study rocks and elements yeah. and compounds. However, he used that knowledge to mm. also study the human body i know that's his, interesting his, okay uh, um so one of his i think one of his neatest finds or discoveries was his discovery of where saliva came from oh. and it's actually named after him it's called the stenson duct oh really yeah that's awesome so okay. i think stenson that duct. so all you medical people out there that was named oh, for Blessed too. Nicholas yeah. Steno. That's awesome. Um, so it's pretty neat. That was pretty cool. But there are definitely more saints and um, servants of God and Absolutely. blesseds out there that have contributed to science. Um, there were some women that did really cool research. Um, one of them found uh, she did research and she diagnosed herself with a neurological disorder, which nobody had oh, wow. ever heard of before. And I don't remember the term off the name of it off the top of my head, but it's basically where you lose all five senses over oh. the course of your lifetime. Okay. Um, she sadly wow. died at 27, oh, wow. but she is considered a saint and she... That sounds awful. Yeah. Losing all five senses yeah, she, she slowly. Yeah, she started to go deaf. And while well, she was in medical school. Wow. And then, so the article talks about her as well. And so she was pretty neat. Cool. I think the other thing that I really looked at, the article I, I read was also by Christopher Baglow. Yeah. And it was on the Cat Society of Catholic Scientists. Um, so it was uh, the War Debunked, um, the Face Science War Debunked hmm. by Christopher Baglow. Um, so he talked about. Um, sort of how the conflict between faith and science was uh, termed the conflict model okay by um, 
William, John William Draper in the 1800s. So he basically wrote a book saying that Catholics, the Catholic faith specifically, was opposed to all forms of science. Okay. And he wrote this ginormous book called The History of the Conflict Between Religion and Science. And um, according to Christopher Baglow, who I who read the book, yeah. and he was sort of looking at it, basically said Seems that like he... <laughs> yeah, he does field. seem like... Yeah. Considering he wrote that huge textbook, textbook yeah. um, he was saying that basically, you know, J, uh, John Draper made up these facts, these tons of facts. Wow. And the biggest um, thing that he, you know, sort of said was, you know, he identified science with progress and Catholicism with backwardness. Hmm. Um, and specifically due to its dogmas and mysteries. Okay. So basically this guy, John Draper, um, and there was another guy, White, as well, who sort of perpetuated... You know, he wrote a book in support of Draper. I feel like I've heard of White. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, White is also, he also wrote a pretty a big, big book about it. But basically, you know, one of their biggest things was that the church said that the earth was flat. And they believed, they perpetuated the belief um, and falsehood that this was a dogma of the church. Oh, that's not a dogma. No, it's not a dogma of the church. <laughs> that's, that's another thing. Is like the church never makes scientific discoveries dogma. No, no, no. <laughs> so that, we don't that need in it. Itself right? Is we right. don't. Yeah. We don't need it. To, that in itself. We don't is need it to be dogma because we can see it for ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. The Earth is not flat. Yeah. We can see that it's round. Yeah. Physically. The purpose of dogma is to reveal mysteries to us that we cannot understand. That we cannot understand for with, ourselves right? with our reason yeah. or in our brain. Yeah. That's cool. So, yeah, that was really interesting. If you want us to learn more about that, um, John William Draper and White, they're the ones that sort of perpetuated this conflict model in the 19th century um, and sort of termed it, you know, this is not, it does not fit together. It's not, it's a conflict. Is that kind of how the, the whole conflict kind of started? Because based off the history that I've like, kind of looked at the only really hiccup that the church kind of contradicted science was with the galileo affair but yeah I now mean, it seems like a lot of people believe that the church yeah, is totally against science or... I, that is an interesting thing you say that because a lot of most of the saints that i was looking at who were also scientists didn't seem to encounter any kind of like opposition right or persecution um prior to the 19th century yeah and then after the 19th century i mean i would say that it seemed to i mean i think catholics throughout history period have been persecuted and um opposed just by basis of what we believe yeah um always feel like new lies are always being oh, created course. against the church you know? and i think this is just another thing the devil you know threw at the church definitely um yeah. and those good people who were um working to bring about an understanding 
and concept of mm. understanding and reconciliation of science and, and faith. Right. You know, I think the devil, you know, the devil is all about, like we talked about in the first episode, the devil is all about division. Yep. And God is all about union. He's going to do whatever he can to get an individual based off what they believe or what they struggle with to part with oh, the yeah. church. He right? knows your, your weakness. He knows yeah. our weaknesses and he uses them. Yeah, and the sad thing is sometimes he knows our weaknesses better than we do. Right. Which is scary. Right. That's why, you know, the church is all for knowing your weakness right. and giving it to God. Right. Absolutely. Being yeah. more aware of your studying and becoming more aware of yourself. Yeah. And so if science, if you doubt your faith based on science, mm. learn more about how they can be reconciled. And right. Are, can be can totally compatible. Yeah, and why the church, you know, has different views on things right yeah that's cool um did you have some more yes questions so, you wanted to explore uh well I, I kind of went into the church's contributions of science mm. and i'd like to touch on the galileo thing as well yeah, that's a worm um, can of worms isn't yeah, it? yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll go over briefly because we want to keep this pretty short uh, and it's already pretty long i think this might be a little bit longer episode yeah but um, I did want to do a one plug-in shout-out, maybe. Um, if you want to know more about Christopher Baglow, uh, Matt Frad in his podcast, Pints with Aquinas, mm-hmm. uh, has an interview with Christopher Baglow. No way! Yes, oh, and that's how I discovered I him in the, the cool. Catholic Sci- uh, the Society of Catholic Scientists yeah. and found out this book. So I was really excited when this came up, I was like, I'm going to go and, you know, look at Christopher Baglow's stuff. Um, so if you want to learn more about that stuff, check out Matt Frad's podcast, uh, Ponds for the Kindness. I don't know the episode number, uh, but... Imagine if you cool. Google it. Yeah. It'll probably come up. It should be. All right. Just Matt's on YouTube, too. Yeah. That is true. He's pretty easy to find. He's a yeah. big celebrity in Catholic He's community. Our, yeah, he's our hero. <laughs> he's our hero. Our our uh, model for yes. podcast catholic podcasting definitely yeah <laughs> uh so what are some other churches contributions to science in 1603 the academy of the lynx eyed it's kind of an odd name yeah uh, was founded in rome under the patronage of pope clement the 13th hmm. nope sorry that's the eighth I can't read Roman numerals. <laughs> I can't either. Science, it's you know, hard. who cares about Roman numerals? Um, oh. uh, and in 1611, Galileo was uh, inducted into the society. Oh, uh, Into the academy. And then it was Was renamed. Galileo Catholic? He was, yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, at least, I believe so. I'm pretty sure he was. So, don't take that for fact. Um, in 1847, though, this academy was renamed the Pontifical Academy of Sciences by Blessed Pius IX. Hmm. Um, and it has an autonomy as a scientific organization, so it's not like under a microscope by the Catholic Church or anything. And they're not like, oh, you can't um, publish that because it's against church teething, teaching. Um, hmm. But here's some other uh, people who are scientists that aren't part of the Catholic Church can be inducted into it. So some uh, non-Catholic members were Stephen Hawking and Francis Collins. Mm. Um, Stephen Hawking, as we all know, brilliant scientist. Uh, And then um, Francis Collins, I can't can't remember exactly what he was known for, but 
he was he was a Christian, but I think, um, but he wasn't Catholic. Huh. But he was also inducted. Um, Saint Albert the Great. Um, he wrote on vegetables and plants. So they the, so the society was mm, formed yes. by a pope Catholics. Well, it was right? it was founded. I don't know who it was founded oh, by, the, but it was a patronage. Okay. So the pope, from what I understand, the pope like supported it okay. and said, "Oh yes, this is." What's this society's this. name again? And people, uh, people want to the Pontifical about it. Academy of Sciences. Okay. Yeah. So people who are not Catholic can be inducted into this academy. Yes. Yep. Okay. Stephen Hawking, Francis Collins. Gotcha. Okay. Just, just a few sure of the names. Um, another guy. You were talking about saints. Uh, let me mention a few that weren't saints. Um, Nicholas Copernicus, hmm. who. Uh, kind of advanced a huge um, idea um, founder of modern cosmology mm-hmm. uh, speculated the sun was or sorry speculated that the sun not the earth was the center of the universe we know we don't know what the center of the universe is I don't think I don't know. Um, but we know that the sun is not <laughs> we the are not the, the center of the universe <laughs> <laughs> yes um, but this was like a huge advancement and later Galileo would go and trying to prove this by Copernicus. Copernicus received no opposition for this theory. Heliocentrism, I think yes, it was called. Yes, heliocentrism. And uh, so I'll talk about Galileo in just a minute. Christoph Clavius. Clavius? Hmm. He was a Jesuit priest. Um, he is the person we can thank for today for our current calendar. Oh, I have some bones to pick with you, sir. <laughs> so the Gregorian calendar um, was created by and furthered by Christopher Christoph Clavius. All right, I'm gonna search him out if I make it to heaven. Yeah. Hey. Oh, really? We're like, gonna I, chat. Can we get like 27 yeah. hours of the day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he did like laid out a bunch of like mathematical calculations, and, and I believe. In the book, it mentions that he was one of the first scientists to primarily or uh, encourage the use of decimal points. Because before, it was never... Hey, really you used. made math more complicated, <laughs> yes. too. He used, well, he made it simpler, too, because he also used parentheses quite okay. frequently. Yeah. And he established the use of those. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Galileo. Let's touch on this a bit before we close, I think, if that's all right. Ah, uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what did Galileo get in trouble for? Open the can of worms. Open the can of worms. Yeah, so in order to get a huge picture of the idea is Galileo furthered that heliocentrism idea, right? right? That the Earth is not the center of the universe. But he didn't have the evidence for it. He thought he had the evidence for it, uh, and he established three proofs but the proofs were not um were not actually proofs per se they were more theories uh and one of the proofs was uh he observed that venus showed phases like the moon um which showed that venus orbits the sun but that doesn't say that earth orbits the sun right right so that's his first proof but okay you're just proving that Venus orbits the sun. Right. That's Yeah, it. you're not proving that the Earth orbits the sun. Right, okay. 
secondly, um, he discovered the satellites of Jupiter. Um, so he showed that the orbital motion could happen around a different body other than Earth. Okay. Again, you're not showing that the Earth is not the center. You're just showing that other things can be a center. Right. Um, and then finally, his favorite proof was the idea that um, the tides were oh, caused by right. the motion of our planet. However, Which it's not. It's right. Caused the by the moon. The gravitational pull of the moon. Correct. So, Johann Kepler uh, had already explained the tides by reference yeah. by the gravitational okay. pull. Um, but Galileo rejected this. Uh, he didn't think Johann Kepler was right. Oh, interesting. Now we find that he was right. He was right. Now, in it kind of sounds like I'm about to denounce Galileo completely and say he was wrong. But no, he wasn't. He, he provided some evidence. But what happened was he went to uh, Urban the eighth who was pope at the time um and they were actually good friends and he was saying hey i want to well, i guess before that he had a little bit of a run-in with the inquisition mm. the roman inquisition yep. because he furthered this heliocentrism idea and like some people complained about it isn't the spanish inquisition uh <laughs> i might have misspoke or maybe there's more than one inquisition uh, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure, sorry. The Inquisition. The Inquisition. Uh, Regardless, he had a run-in with the Inquisition. Yes. Correct? Okay. Um, so the Inquisition, it says Roman Inquisition here. Oh, okay. All so right. that was right. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> no. So um, he had a little run-in, but he, uh, uh, he volunteered to defend his uh, theories. And what they came to the conclusion was like, hey... Don't teach this anymore. Don't teach that it's fact, mm. right? Oh, right. And they said like, "Hey, don't need just don't really touch this anymore because we can't really prove it." Later, when Urban Pope Urban became Pope, he went to Pope Urban, and even though he had made that deal, he convinced Pope Urban to let him publish material on this. And but Pope Urban was also maybe in his human. Um, fallibility he convinced or at least thought convinced that one of the deals was that Galileo also wrote his position Pope Urban's position on the tides oh the, the work was specifically on how tides Worked. were caused okay so Pope Urban I'm gonna tell Pope Urban's position was we don't know and we can't know it could be possibly that we don't know uh, yeah, Sounds like, like an interesting guy. Yeah. So, but Galileo obviously probably didn't find this very moving. Um, so in his book, um, he... Uh, it, the, it was a dialogue between three characters. Salviati, which was the mouthpiece and like the narrator kind of, the... Uh, impartial um, so sorry no that was it was Galileo's mouthpiece um, and it presented Galileo's position mm-hmm. um, and then Sagrido which was played the part of the impartial questioner and then the Simplicio uh, literally simpleton or fool <laughs> was the Pope Pope's position Oops. so now you can say he kind of slighted the Pope a little bit 
Well, in a way, too, if we look at this, too, like, okay, so the Galileo is saying one of his proofs for his theory Mm. is that the tides are caused by... Right. Right, his theory. And then if Pope Urban said, we don't know... Yeah. So Pope, the Pope is directly contradicting exactly in a slight underhanded way right. Galileo's position. Right, exactly. So Galileo maybe didn't like this, but needless to say, he kind of insulted the Pope. Yeah. So the Pope probably felt a little bit humiliated and maybe manipulated. Hmm. Um, so in, there was another Roman Inquisition, um, hearing trial for Galileo and in this they basically had him uh, they, they made a deal with him basically saying hey don't talk about this anymore don't teach that as fact um, don't touch this anymore and but Pope Urban was like no I won't like he kind of wanted to make example out of him so Pope Urban demanded that he be arrested uh. Uh, he never went to like dungeon or was never tortured or anything like that he was placed under house arrest. Which I think is probably a common misconception. I right. Think like people a of... think Inquisition and they think he was tortured. Yeah. Like he was, he was questioned. Tell us your yeah. truth. Tell us the truth. Exactly. Yeah. Or like made to denounce his position. Um, he was never meant to do. He, that never happened. Um, so, uh, so he was placed under house arrest where he was still able to do a lot of research and the, the church still let him you know, perform a lot of um, science science experiments and all that stuff. Kind so. of like our house arrest by COVID today. Right. <laughs> like, it, in, apparently it wasn't bad at all because he lived in a beautiful place. Right. And had, like, servants and everything. So, like, it wasn't a bad deal. <laughs> Just, uh, oh, the, the phenomenon that actually proves to us now, besides, like, um, a little bit more other stuff, but the, the, the thing that they were trying to observe then that Galileo did not have proof of was a parallax, uh, which is like an aberration of light. I, I don't know exactly what it means, um, but that's what he needed to prove his theory. Oh, okay. But at the time, so now it's obvious because we have all these proofs and ideas and parallax. Right. And we can see that for ourselves with telescopes. And we can define them. Exactly. Yeah. But during then, like what... It's hindsight now, right? I mean, you're like, oh, surely Galileo was right. Right. But now, yeah. Hmm. So, I hope that wasn't too long. Uh, I wanted to go over that. I think it's really interesting. Um, I think it's a lot of myths and stuff. I think so, too. And I think that, I don't know, for myself, you know, I, I remember reading it in the history books mm-hmm. when, you know, in school and thinking that Galileo was very poorly mistreated by the church, right. you know, you, you kind of feel a pain for Galileo, but at the same time, Galileo was stubborn. Yeah, and, he was. Um, yep. he had a luxury that many scientists didn't do, didn't have. He was supported by the church mm-hmm. and he was friends with the Pope, which is a very powerful position to have. Right. And with great, a lot, a lot of power, comes responsibility responsibility. and so you know you you know if you want the patronage of the church Mm. and of a pope particularly you gotta kind of listen to them and yeah uh, work within their their ball game and galileo i think 
he may have. I, I don't know for sure because I wasn't there, mm. and, you know. Yeah. But I think he may have slipped into one of the dangers of science and having it overcome faith. Right. For him. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Like my 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 loyalty to the church and to the pope right. is is less than my discoveries my to science. In, like I want right. yeah. <clears throat> he could have been, you know, trying to further fame and stuff as well. Like his motivation yeah. may have not been completely pure. Again, this is just But again, Pope Urban's motivations were probably not pure either. Right. So And any of you Galileo scholars out there, you know, yeah. apologize if any yeah. of this is wrong and wrong. you're going, ah, I will so say wrong. though, this is pretty awesome. Over hundred and fifty later years later, Saint Paul John Paul the Second, in November nineteen seventy nine, uh, said that uh or noted the injustice of the combination of Galileo. And he said, The former had to suffer a great deal. We cannot conceal the fact at the hands of men and the entities of the church. Mm. And he appointed his own special commission to re-examine Galileo's case. <clears throat> in 1992, the commission explicitly acknowledged the church officials that erred in condemning Galileo. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, and he says, Galileo, a sincere believer, showing himself to be more perceptive than... The theologies who opposed him. Theologians who opposed theologians. him. Theologians. Yeah, theologians that opposed him. Um, yeah, so I think that kind of shows, like, to say, hey, yeah, the church made a mistake. There's that. Yeah, that <laughs> is Which is cool. not surprising, because the church does make mistakes. It does. The human part of it. And, yeah, so. exactly, the human part of it. Yeah. So... Um, cool. Would you like to know the answer to our trivia question? Uh, I, I would like a clue, and then I want to make, make a guess. Okay, so I'll give you a clue. I'll give okay. you a quote by him, mm -hmm. and then I'll let you guess, and then see if you're right, um, and then I will tell you a neat fact about this scene awesome. also. Okay. Um, so our trivia question was, who is the patron saint of scientists? So a quote by him. The aim of natural science is not simply to accept the statements of others, but to investigate the causes that are at work in nature. Cool. That's a good I don't quote. know if that. Uh, uh, I don't think that helps well. me out, but I'm I'm just gonna take a guess and say Saint Albert the Great. <gasps> you cheated. No, I didn't. Yeah, I just think <laughs> it that. It is Saint Albert the Great. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> good job. Did I get a bag of M&Ms? No. Okay. No. Dang. So, um, a neat fact about him, so he's St. Albert the Great, was the patron saint of scientists. Um, he lived in the 1200s. Um, guess who was one of his students? St. Thomas Aquinas. <gasps> you knew that too! I knew that, yeah. I knew that, yeah. I knew okay, well, Albert. I didn't, so I thought it was yeah. pretty neat, um, yeah. especially since we quoted, um... Pints for the Aquinas earlier. I yep. thought that was kind of cool. And uh, same time as Aquinas, I don't know, has been popping up everywhere for me yeah. lately. I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. He's yeah, sweet. I mean, I came across him quite a bit. I, I feel like there's a lot, you know, for him. So I, that's why I didn't really mention him, yeah. even though he is my patron saint and one of my favorite saints. Uh, I mean, Pints with Aquinas is like all about. He is a. That man has a of, huge brain. Yeah, Ooh. huge brain. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. The biggest well, brain. The biggest brain ever. 
All right. Awesome. Well, I hope this whetted your appetite, our listeners, to maybe study more. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it didn't, I hope it was at least enjoyable to listen yeah. to. And um, maybe you learned a little bit with us because I certainly learned a lot today. Yeah, me too. Yeah, doing a little bit of research. It was cool. This was and, definitely one of my favorite research episodes. I, uh, I feel bad because I didn't think I did enough research for it. I mean, um, it's but, hard to capture, you know, small bits of information. Right. And, you know, today, wow, we are maxing yeah, we're, out our time today. <laughs> way longer than what we said. Wow. Well, and it's mostly my fault. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry. Well, we'll have to make an extra short episode next time. Okay, 20-minute episode. 20-minute episode. We can talk about books we like. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate your continued support, and um, hopefully we will hear you will hear us again on our next episode. Yeah, episode four. Thank you.